Well, not only that, but some of those airports are fucking massive. Like, yeah. trying to get through Singapore or LAX, like, that shit can take you uh, an hour. Singapore's, a fi- Singapore's fine. LAX is a fucking yeah. nightmare. Singapore's easy. Singapore's, it's like, well-organized and, like... Yeah. But, it, like, it functions. LAX is, like... I don't know, yeah, it's, like, like run by, like, a drugged-up former class of Sesame Street or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Heathrow's think- apparently pretty bad, too. There's one fight I took there, Player 2, Pixelcast, episode 100. Yeah, party, woo, we're alive. We, we, yeah, hands in the air. <laughs> Young people party, in the club. Party we were all, I feel like we were all like 25 when this started, and now everybody's at or approaching 40. Or past. <laughs> I assure all the listeners our hands are in the air. <laughs> I think I feel that way. Considering my first right. Pixelcast episode was a very, 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 very... It was a while ago. ago. I mean, we've been on a couple of slides <laughs> before here. Um, yeah, my name is Tim Henderson, and I, I can, I guess at this point, happily say that I am on, still, at the moment at least, on the approaching 40 as opposed to over the line <laughs> side of things. Um, none of us... I can put our ages together, but we're well over 100, actually. That's kind of terrifying. But that's because, you know, we have a total of four of us here today, so, you know, special numbers, special times. Um, basic maths. Yeah, I mean, you know, I passed the sixth grade. I think. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I'm starting, starting to count my fingers as if 10 is going to be enough to get me there. Um, yes, we do, fortunately. Yes, Huso, thank you for joining us. Welcome to episode 100. It, it, it has been a time coming, hasn't it? I feel like we've been sitting on the, the precipice of 100 for quite a while. I, I, feel, I mean, the fact that we went from 99 to 100 with a big-ass like Christmas break in between like really yeah. dragged it out. Didn't it? Didn't it? But we're here like, now. Just give it like we're, a nice bit of stress. It's kind of like taffy. Um, and just I feel like referencing something like taffy kind of shows our age in, in, <laughs> in its own way. Um, actually, yeah, Rob, Rob, do you enjoy some taffy? Uh, a bit of salt water? Not my kind Remember of thing. Clay Fighter? <laughs> that game actually had a character called taffy that was made out of taffy? Uh, I know of Clay Fighter, but I never actually played it. So shock horror. <laughs> I thought oh, it was you, you Fighter, of all so I people would have played Clay, Clay Fighter. See that, that I'm I'm not a much of a fighting game person. Like I'm terrible oh, right, at them. Okay. So yeah, if I can't even play a decent one, why am I going to try and play you know bottom of the barrel weird, weird janky jank fests? Because you're a twelve year old <laughs> kid who's not allowed to play Street Fighter, so you rent this other random ass thing to play with the friends who are staying over for the weekend. See, I was lucky back in the day. Uh, place near my dad's work had a original Street Fighter two fish and chip shop. So. I had arc- oh, I had hey. I had access to Arcade Street Fighter 2 and I was terrible at it so <laughs> it was all for naught. Yeah, but 5 rounds of that is like your entire weekend rental of Clay Fighter. True. <laughs> True. Put that out there. True. Um but yes, and also finally bring is that we still well we're swimming in editorial right now. Steve, welcome back. Well, it's good to be back. Is it is it really <laughs> I mean what I'm gonna say it means, it means that Christmas is over. The new we're yeah, in 2020, it is officially 2023. New year, we're deep enough off me. in that we should probably not be accidentally writing 22 on all those weird ass things that we have to sign occasionally because <laughs> pens still exist. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> also, it's 2023 and people still write shit by hand. I mean, that's Tell a me skill. I mean, it's a diminishing skill, but it, it's it, I guess it still exists. And anyway, since my teenagers yeah. writing, it's gone. <laughs> oh, mate. I mean, I, mate, it's super weird because I got berated by my mother a lot for like my handwriting looking super messy, like all through high school. What I've since learned is my handwriting it does not look pretty, super legible. 
Like yeah. anybody can actually read it super easily, which strikes me as way more important. You've got the Comic Sans of handwriting. I, no, I do not, because Comic Sans still looks decent. My handwriting is a mess to look at. I should have been a doctor. I'd say I should have been a doctor. If I was a doctor, you wouldn't actually be able to read it. So this is that's uh, Tim's out there <laughs> writing wingdings. <laughs> also, again, illegible. Anyway, what are we doing? Um, yeah, since you know, we ended up talking about you know garbage games at the very end of last year. Um, as has become just you know the player to want, I guess. Um, this is this is it. This is we're coming in hard a little bit late. A couple of places are still doing this. Um, we're not going to try and make anything official, but we're going to just run down like our personal games of the year for 2022. Um, but before that, stuff we've been playing, and since you know nothing, li- literally nothing came out between the last two episodes. We're jumping back a no, little bit not, of time. No, no, yet. Very soon though, but not not quite yet. Um, Jumping back quite a bit in time, though, um, starting with, like, Huso is playing a Souls-like, which people who have regularly listened to this show will probably want to know why. So, yeah, Still Rising, what's up with that? It's Still Rising. Uh, it's an odd one. Like, I guess, it, for starters, for people that don't know, it's it's a Souls-like, like you said, created by uh, Spiders, who don't have exactly the best... name for a studio, right? <laughs> Every Best time. reputation though like you know they're, they're getting better though and they always create games they've got they, they they feel like there's a lot of you know effort they're always they have very to... the little engine that could what yeah, you know what i mean like it, it never quite is as good but they've got these massive ambitions of of matching what triple a studios can do with you know a single a budget sort of thing um and they always they always go down swinging i guess so that i've always had a kind of soft spot for them and uh, Greedfall was pretty good. I quite enjoyed my time with that. It, you know, it would have been the best role-playing game on an Xbox 360. Too bad it came out on a Xbox One, but you know what I mean. It, 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 it was an enjoyable time. Uh, so I thought I'd check out Spiders because um, while it is a Souls... Still Rising. Born, Not so- still Rising. Spiders still. is also a great name for a game as well, actually. Yeah, it is, actually. <laughs> but yes, uh, Still Rising. A couple of reasons, because I really dig the aesthetic. It's set in, like, this alternate history revolution, Fran- French Revolution, right? So uh, instead of just, you know, decapitating the rich, uh, they decided to create clockwork soldiers. So it's got this cool kind of clockwork vibe, all these robots everywhere. Every enemy is like this clockwork sort of thing. And you you find out later that they're powered by you know, the souls of people or whatever, and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really matter too much. It's just a, a cool aesthetic. Souls. Through, you know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It souls. does look whoa. pretty cool. Whoa. Sorry, sorry. Um, spirits. Getting a, call, getting a call from the FromSoft legal department here, Matt. They've said if uh, if you can hold off on the use of that terminology. Reference, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's it's got this cool kind of clockwork vibe. If you ever saw the episode uh, "A Girl in a Fireplace" of Doctor Who, it's it's very much like that. It, 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 that's the setting. Um, it's kind of dishonoredish in terms of like the steampunky vibe. Yeah, yeah, it really is. There's 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 kind of a cool vibe. I mean, there's still it's still uh, clear. There's you a can lot see of the creepy budget. mannequin going on in this. There is, and your main character is a creepy mannequin, but it seems to be the only creepy mannequin that has like independent thought. And that's who you play as. And you, you can customize that. And all the others are like these autonomous guard drone things or whatever. Run by the king who's gone mad. And you, you're on a mission from uh, Marie Antoinette uh, to, you know, basically save the day. Uh, and so it is Souls-like in, in its gameplay. But it does do something that almost no other Souls game has ever done. And it does it better than all of them. And that's 
it's accessible. Uh, it has <laughs> <laughs> it has uh, sliders that make the game accessible. So I've always felt that I'm half a step too slow in a Souls game. Always. I've always felt that. This game proves that because I can create a slider and literally all I did, there's, there's, there's uh, sliders to adjust um, hit timings and there's sliders to adjust uh, damage that you receive and there's sliders to adjust stamina. Um, so how quickly your stamina regenerates. I didn't bother with the stamina one. I took the hit damage you received down one notch and I took the hit timing down one notch. That little change has meant I can play this game in a way that's enjoyable to me. It's still a challenge. Don't get me wrong. There's tough bosses. Uh, but it feels like I'm within my capabilities to beat it. I never felt that way with other ones, unless I was playing Elden Ring as the sorcerer and I was just spamming fireballs, you know. Uh, <laughs> I was doing cheat mode there. But as far as sword timings and things like that, that little change, it's just a little change, really is. And I, I, like I said, I think there's like five notches on the slider, so only dropping it one notch has made it completely playable for me. And as a result, I'm really enjoying my time. I'm obviously at the point in my life where getting the timing right is difficult because of you know probably old age Wrist or whatever as well and shit probably doesn't yeah, all those sort of things that come into it whereas now i'm i have it and i mean i could see the budget and it's it's still a budget version of a souls game that you know the the uh environments are a little bland it's 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 a bit you know industrial gray everything for a lot of the time um the enemies there's probably not enough variety I'd like a bit more variety in the enemies. Um, and the story's, you know, pretty forgettable. But the game, moment-to-moment -moment gameplay, That's a I'm shame, enjoying. actually. Like, the, yeah. the premise is super cool. It, it's, it's, it's good enough. That's, that's all I'll say. It's good enough It's without winning uh, any awards. You know, it, it, it's certainly enough to get you through to the end. You want to see what happens. But, look, it probably won't win any Screenwriters Guild Awards <laughs> or anything like that. But out there that um, hasn't. <laughs> so honestly i think it's probably spider's best game uh better than better than greedfall which i like i said i enjoyed um they i think the smaller contained levels actually suits the way they do things so there's lots of little individual areas that you can travel to and you have to revisit them and things like that as you in a kind of metroid like um, progression system where you get new abilities so you can access new areas in those existing maps and things like that. So that, that encourages you to go back and see what you missed and, and get some other missions and there's side missions and things like that to explore. Uh, but these kind of smaller maps, I think, suit the budget a bit better um, mm. because they can, they can, you know, focus on them and craft them just that little bit better than trying to go a big open world RPG, which they've done with Greedfall and a couple other games of theirs, Technomancer and a few others, which felt like they were biting off more than they could chew. Whereas this feels within their their um, abilities and uh, within their budget, within their their uh, range. Like, so it's not going to knock uh, a Souls game off for polish or anything like that. But it, it, like I said, they've they've added accessibility. They've added the ability uh, for people to kind of adjust the game to how how it suits them and um in doing so they say oh look you won't get all the trophies 
who fucking cares, right? Uh, <laughs> if, if you want the trophies, you're going to learn to play it the hard way. If, if you just want to enjoy it how you want to enjoy it, if then you want the trophies the op- that much, you need help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, I, think it's, I think it's done really well, and I really hope that other games take notice. The only other game in this kind of genre, which and, and even then it's kind of borderline this genre that does difficulty levels, is uh, Jedi Fallen Order. And now I'm assuming... Um, Jedi Survivor will as well. But that's kind of because it's Star Wars and, and they need to sell that to everyone. So they they need to do it there. Uh, whereas this one's, you know, it's taken a risk and I think it's paid off, to, to be honest. I picked it up on Steam sale and, and I'm thoroughly enjoying my time with it. And I'll probably finish it. Um, I'm about, I don't know, 15 hours in, um, enjoying it, a really good chunk in. I, I get the feeling it's probably a 20-ish, 25-ish hour game, Stephen. You yeah, did our review. A, yeah. Um, it's it's definitely shorter than most Souls games. Um, and like I said, I think the pacing can feel a little bit wonky in some of the levels. I think that's probably just part of the, like you said, the budget that they're working on. Um, I think some of the stretches in it, seem to go on a little bit longer than they maybe otherwise necessarily would in a FromSoft-developed game. Uh, there were certainly a few times I was like, where the freaking hell is this next thing where I can yep. stop and <laughs> save the game and level up and things like that? Um, but, yeah, it's it's definitely, you get the sense, it's one of those titles that's punching above their weight a little bit. And, yeah, it's easily one of the most accessible Souls-likes. And if you want to be a hard nut, I'm pretty sure those sliders work the other way. So, yeah. If you're a, um, if you're a, yeah, I mean, let's, let's be honest. You, you go on to Twitch and you watch these people who are finishing these games with dance mats and all these other wacky controllers. And it goes to show those people who are like, think they're hardcore because they finished it on the regular, with a regular controller. You ain't shit, buddy. (laughs) Just play them how you want to play them. Who cares? Yeah. I think so too, and so I, I really welcomed it. I think they've done a good job here, and and you know, there's there's obviously jank here. Like Euro jank is like it's kind of spiders genre. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, they, they they put a trademark on it. So, uh, uh, but it's it's never the game hasn't crashed on me. It works. I mean, there's been a few like clipping issues with enemies and. And, you know, I've had a couple of times where enemies have been stuck in an animation loop, um, which made them really easy to kill. And I am not above taking a cheesy victory when it presents itself. So that that's great for me. Uh, <laughs> I think so long as it's not like multiplayer, that's fine. Yeah, 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 I think so too. And it was only at the very odd occasion, you know, like, you know, probably five times in my entire playtime and that's it. So, yeah, I, I, I think if you pick this, this, this game up for, you know, around the $40, $50 mark, you're going to have a good time. Even if you're like me, who's traditionally bounced off a, a Souls-like experience. So, yeah, I mean, Stephen did the full review on our website and I, I guess he can add more to what I'm saying. If, if, if I'm wrong, but yeah. Oh, I mean, I covered Elden Ring and <laughs> Steel Rising this year, and I I think for a lot of people, Elden Ring is just going to be too long unless you really like that type of game. Like, 20 hours into Elden Ring would be scratching the surface, realistically. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say I'm great at these games, but I'm definitely not shit. Like, I think I was probably on the fifth or sixth boss of steel rising before i died um 
So that gives you sort of like a baseline level of the difficulty in that game at its default setting. So mm. it, it, it's it got, you know, I could have bumped it up a few notches, but I don't care. Um, and you can bump it down a few notches if you want to as well. Uh, Elden Ring is kind of... People will say it's the most accessible from Soft Souls-like because you're not just running your head against a brick wall. But mm. that doesn't mean it's going to suit everybody. And there's still only certain things you can do in that game to make it easier for yourself, and most of them are a time tax. Whereas Steel Rising is just load up the menu, make the enemy slower, make me take less damage, whatever you want to do, bingo, bango, you're back in the action and... You know, just be honest with yourself. Find a difficulty level that suits you. Stop relying on developers to stroke your ego for you. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, I'm just awesome. listening to this and, like, for me, like, the parry timing has always been one of those things that I've always struggled with. So, being able to increase that window, like, I did that with, with Fallen Order. I knocked the combat down and just focus on the exploration. But if I can have most of that and just knock that, increase that timing window, that's definitely sold me. So, I'm definitely going to have to yeah, check that absolutely. out. Absolutely. I think it's well worth it. And I think, you know, probably not a full price game um, just because some of that jank is, you know. But if you get it on Steam sale, and I mean, I've seen it pretty regularly around the $40 mark on PC. so And that's on, on both Epic and Steam. So, yeah, it yeah. goes on the wish list and I might... You do need a pretty decent PC, though, I think, to run this properly. I think so. And I do regret not installing it on my SSD drive. I installed it on my whopping big uh, normal mechanical drive. So the load times are pretty long. Um, yeah, but even I'll, on the PS5, but, it was a little bit like... There were times where I was like, really? Um, and obviously, yeah. that's just a remnant of the development process. Like, it feels very much like it was probably a PS4 title that got bumped to PS5. Yeah. Um, I obviously don't notice the PC specs quite a lot, uh, so it could, yeah, it could require. Yeah, Mister, I'm running on a 3090, whatever. I bet you yeah. could run Space Marine at like a thousand frames a second. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not that was a segue I wasn't ready for. Um. Yeah. So we got Space I Marine. That that was. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so we got Rob. Your reaction was no one. notes. Right. <laughs> yeah. So with Space Marine Two theoretically coming this year, um, I thought I'd go replay the original. So um, I played the original originally on my 360 when it came out. So you know, more than a decade ago. And so the PC version of the anniversary edition was going cheap on a you know on the Steam sale. So I've just been playing that. It's been because it's been stupid hot, I haven't really wanted to sit in front of the PS5 to try and play games. And even the same with the PC. Like, I, um, being on holiday, I haven't really wanted to sit in front of it. So I've only played it a little bit. Um, but it's been good to revisit it. Like, I mean, it's still got the, you know, the 2010s grey and brown everywhere. And the way the orcs... Except your suit is blue. Yeah. And, and, and you know, blue. Um... And then, of course, there's, you know, the way the Orcs say Space Marine, because I still can't forget that good game review. <laughs> but it's been really fun to go back to. Um, I just like that they say Lieutenant, actually. Yeah. They're very British. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I love that. It's like, it's, I mean, there's aspects of Warhammer's universe that are a bit, mm, but the way just the gameplay comes together, it still felt. Uh, just, just a bit, mm, some of the Warhammer. Yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. Um, yeah, um, but there's people who are probably better to, to talk, to critique that aspect than I can. Um, and weirdly, Ken, who is like the pillar of this show, is not here today. Yep. 
Yeah. He'd be all over this shit. Yeah. Yeah, but like <laughs> like the gameplay itself, like Relic did a great job. And I was always bummed out that back in the day they didn't the sequel didn't happen cuz all the BS around THQ and how mm. it performed. Um so I'm glad issues that- with Warhammer licensing and Stuff? What? No. <laughs> Never heard of that happening before. I thought it was like, because it was like, it didn't quite do the numbers. And then, of course, THQ went bust. Folded. And it just kind of fell away. Yeah. yeah. Didn't, wasn't Activision involved? No. I I, like eventually. Yeah, it was, it was THQ. Because if Activision was involved, that would make sense. Because they were like, why did this not sell 10 minutes? Yeah. 10 million units. You guys suck. <laughs> I think the biggest oh. problem, it was around that, that THQ original bankruptcy yeah and then it just kind of fell away which is funnily enough one of the first games i ever went to a press event for <laughs> nice was race marine yeah so oh wow yeah I, it's I, a fond, fond little fond memory there for yeah like chainsawing fools <laughs> yeah like I've, I've been having just a, a blast with and i'm looking forward to just replaying it um over the next for the next little while until the sequel comes out um yeah nice to it's sometimes nice to go back the stuff you because like i only played that the once i didn't go back to it until then so it's been like all this time later i thought it was going to feel a lot worse than it did it still feels pretty solid to play i mean i remember it just being like a surprisingly decent yeah maybe not like world beating but like it's just a pretty damn good third person yeah. action game yeah like because like, i remember it, it was what gungrave gore should have been which i reviewed recently like and all i i remember playing that game thinking geez i wish this was just space marine it really could have been space marine instead of this fetid pile of shit um but <laughs> was was that it was that at that point where there's just a glut of those sort of games yeah there, on there was the 360? there were a yeah. lot of like that very like the chunky character marching forward third person yeah. action oh, yes yeah, years of war all that sort heydays of, of that yeah just, yeah and like that was the thing like back in the day i remember i I'd written it off. I was just like, eh. and then I saw reviews and stuff coming. It's like, actually, this is pretty solid. So it's like, I took a punt and grabbed it and enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, definitely like, you know, what you should be revisiting though. Binary domain. That game was oh, wild. How good is binary domain? Let's <laughs> just reminisce about random, like 2010 to 2012, like shoot again. That was another one I did a press event for, and holy hell, that was so good. That was a that hell was, of a game. That game should have that, done better. The second best cover-based shooter I've ever played. Like, I can't get past Gears. Gears is very good. Um, but, yeah, that is so cool. and so There is wacky. some actual what-the-fuck story moments yep. in Binary Domain, though. And there's a French robot in there that's just the best. <laughs> <laughs> one for the wish list as well, I guess. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think I'll actually... have it on PC from picking it up in a Steam sale for three bucks donkeys years ago. Yeah, it works. Oh, I feel better now. Well. I think I bought like a like PS3 copy on sale for like twenty five bucks or something. And so it's like, oh wow, this is worth more than twenty five bucks. This is actually yeah. like it was like all the personality and quirk of a Yakuza game, except you're like some just like charging around shooting guns and like a third person shooter. Like it was and t- team based gameplay that actually kind of worked. Kind of, yeah. yeah. It was it was crazy. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, speaking of like weird team-based gameplay, actually, um, I I basically went around and bounced off a lot of games over over the break, um, but the thing that's like finally like gotten its, I actually even bounced off said Star Wars game that everybody likes. The thing that's like finally kind of like got into me, which said I must have just had a very specific craving, um, was Lair of the Clockwork Gods. 
Oh, okay. Which haven't heard of I've it. got, I, and it's like kind of appropriate that Rob is like nodding sagely, and like Huso and Steve are like, "Huh?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? It's, Tim, can you stop making up games and tell us something that you actually played? I, I mean, I haven't finished it, but like I started a few days ago, and I'm like, "Yep, this is exactly what I wanted," which is a very, very, very specific itch, because this is basically fifty. Uh, it's not quite 50-50, but for the sake of simple um, explanations, it's basically point-and-click adventure game and platforming game. Okay. It's just kind of like smashed, smashed together like some sort of pen pineapple apple like, pen. I was going to say, is that peanut butter and chocolate for you? Like, they just they go together and you're in... It's like bliss? I mean, I don't think this is ever going to become... I don't think we're going to see more games like this as results of it. Um, but it's actually pretty good. Like, it's clearly more adventure game first than it is platforming game. I believe the game prior was, like, Ben there, Dan that, and, the, like, the characters are named after, the like, the lead developers. Um, But it, it's, like, kind of, like, for several years now, been this, like, quiet renaissance of, like, these kind of, like, very low budget, but whatever, it's pixel art, we can do that, like, point-and-click adventure games. And as a means of standing out, they literally went, you know what, fuck it. One of our characters, we're just going to make him like very staunch, stuck in his way. I am point and click only. If there is a step, I need somebody to pick me up or I need to solve a puzzle to get up that step. And the other one's like going, all right, I'm just going to jump on shit now. <laughs> um, and it's like greatest strength and also greatest weakness is this is maybe the most meta game that I've played. It already sounds like that. Like it must be two developers, and one of them's like, "Our next game should be a platforming game," and the other one's like, "Our next game should be an adventure game." Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure they both were more focused. Like it's clearly more of an adventure game. That's the side that is more polished. Um, although to its credit, the platforming works pretty well. I, mean, I wouldn't quite call it janky, but it's definitely got like some rough edges. I'm playing on Switch. It's probably I would imagine a little bit more, more refined on PC. I think the platforming genre has been so refined over the last 30 yeah. to 40 years. I mean, because anything like that's way, like controls yeah. so well, this it like it, it actually like it does the platforming well enough. And that in itself is like kind of impressive when that's clearly not like the main thing that it is doing. But a lot of the time, the platforming will be subservient to like causing to like pushing like a crate that is then containing something that you will need for your inventory. Um, at one point, like the gravity goes sideways, and then for some reason you're able to point, push. This is very early on. I guess it's a puzzle spot. Then you're able to push, um, a portaloo down a wall that was stuck to the wall for whatever reason, <laughs> so that the other character could empty his bladder, which was full in his inventory, which was making him too heavy to carry. So you could then pick him up, and you could both move around faster. Some Lucas Arts puzzle logic, right there, baby. Yeah. <laughs> It's frequently it's frequently obtuse, but it's very very aware of it. Again, like it's this kind of greatest strength and weakness. Like it, it it winks at the camera too hard too often is like maybe it's weakness. Like there is literally, and I, I love this. Actually, this I love, but like because they're doing it all the time. It's like literally saying, "No, I'm a platform character now. My hands are too big. I cannot use a light switch. Come over here, Mister Adventure Man. Your hands are small. You can do the light switch, but your arms are too weak, so you cannot pull this lever. So I need the platformer character to pull this lever." Kind of stuff, but there's literally a puzzle where you need to like go into the menus, into a piss take of microtransactions, and go into the developer console. I, again, I'm like spoiling. I'm slightly spoiling a solution here, but I, I don't care. This highlights it so well. You go in there, and then like it's like, oh, you you need the password, and and so the adventure characters like you have to talk to the platformer character, basically saying, hey, what was your password? And he's like going, oh, it was like. 
my mother's maiden name and this other thing and then my this number from here and then the way you have to get that is to go out of the game into the free quote-unquote bonus game which is like a small interactive <laughs> comic about how they met and get all that information so you can then go back into hack into the, the fucking pretend micros and transactions and set everything to free it's like flipping the case on over on Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, that's that's exactly what came it's, to mind. It's like that, except they like, how can we inject steroids into a PlayStation One jewel case? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's I'm I mean it. Yeah, it's it again. It's like not game. Of the year. It's like that. It's like the quintessential eight out of eight out of ten. Where it's like it's too good to like be put in the pile of sevens. But it, yeah. you know, it's not quite like in the genius of the nine. But if, if any of this sounds, if like if any of this sounds like amusing to you, you you should maybe check it out. Especially since I th- it's on sale fairly regularly. I think I paid six or seven bucks for it. I think it's probably since gone down closer to five. Um, again, like pixel arts, pretty good. Most of the puzzles make sense in their own weird way. It's pretty funny. You, you just have to be aware that it it wants you to know way too hard. That like yeah. it's making fun of these different genres. Although you do also get to blow up a mosaic puzzle, which is like the greatest adventure game thing ever. Because fuck it, fuck <laughs> any adventure game that says, "Oh, I've got all this clever narrative shit, and now here's just a fucking puzzle that you would find in the New York Times." Do that instead, <laughs> and you get that, <laughs> and you can try and do it, and then eventually, like, you go out and he's like, "Yeah, fuck this, how can I blow it up?" And then there's a convoluted puzzle into like how you actually just blow up the fucking like ancient mosaic puzzle. <laughs> It's like um, that scene in Glass Onion right at the start where she all yeah, just of them gets are a hammer and work like, the puzzle this, and she just you know, gets the puzzle. Get, you can still get the card out from inside. Just like yeah. destroy this. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna take a break now, but first, how good was Glass Onion? Very happy with how that oh, movie amazing. turned out. Amazing. So good. It was so good. <laughs> it, it, Too it bad happy with how that movie turned out. It wasn't as tight as Knives Out, but that's understandable given that I think Ryan Johnson had been working on Knives Out for years and years and years, and then obviously that blew up and Netflix is like, here's $100 million for you and Daniel Craig each. Can you make us another movie in 18 to 24 months? I oh, but the ending was more cathartic than Knives Out. I think, yeah. it, was, I think it totally it totally holds up. I would completely digress. We'll go break it. It's like it... So we have also Murder on the Orange Express was also a pretty freaking good. Oh, cool! This who don't think is coming back. This is way better than Death on the Nile. It's like a follow up yeah. to like those. Um, I think he nailed it out of the park. Nailed it out of the park. What you, nailed he it. nailed it and then hit it out of the park. <laughs> you get, he nailed the wall and then broke up the wall. And hardware metaphors mixed up. <laughs> and then he hit the wall so hard it became part of the cricket boundary that they use for sixes. Um, yeah, we're gonna take we're gonna take a short break and when we come back, a whole bunch of stuff that we like.
We are back. 2022 will never be back for better and worse. I would like to say hopefully better, but fuck knows what this year is going to bring. Um, as we we did kind of reflect like back in December, it was it was like such a weird year for games in the sense that like it felt like there was like a lack of like the big big tentpoles like Elden Ring was always just going to run away with everything. But on the other hand, when you st stood back and looked at it, it's not like it was like fucking 2008 where like a bunch of black came out. Like, there's a lot of actually really fucking good shit that came out in 22. It's just, it was all for specific small groups of people in a way. I guess it's actually really cool that Elden Ring in itself was not for everybody and that was able to be game of the year. It was kind of nice that we didn't have a lowest common denominator as the runaway champion. Um, so yeah, we're just going to be talking about our own personal favorite games as opposed to deciding that, well, everybody liked Elden Ring enough, let's make that game of the year. Um, <laughs> our, our, rule, our rules are... Which is frankly how it works, dist disturbingly. Um, yeah, our rules are pretty simple. We've basically got two games each, which is like game of the year runner-up, and then and anything goes extra mention, which is just anything that you kind of want to give a shout-out to for whatever reason. Um, and you know what, Huso? Mm. You're the head of the site. You've probably played more than anybody else here that actually came out in 2022. I played a few, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I played give us, give us your number one. Give us one. If you had, if you had to say this was the best, best fucking thing I played. Oh, that's easy for me. Uh, no, it's Midnight Suns. Um, yeah. That is one hundred percent game for Huso. That one. Uh, that 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 is my crack. I've since gone back. Like I reviewed it. It took me about fifty hours to finish the game. I'm up to about ninety hours into the game now. Um, I've gone back and played on a, a, high, a harder difficulty. Well, two levels up from the normal difficulty, which Jeez. seems about good. You know, it's that XCOM itch, but with Marvel, like this Marvel and and a card system that is the best I've ever used in a game, and some mad RPG soapy drama shit going on in the background, and and cool references. And look, it's just a a mad stew that shouldn't work, and yet somehow it just does. And Honestly, it, it it was such a joy to play. And I, I, I had penciled in God of War at uh, before I started playing this as my game of the year. And I was enjoying God of War a lot. Uh, um, you know, especially to some of the other shit I'd played in the year. Um, but this, this just blew me away. Everything about it, it just feels like my perfect sort of game. And I'm really excited for the, the DLC that's coming very soon. Uh, well, the first chapter, which is, is Deadpool, which in this world is going to be interesting and I'm really keen to see how they do it. They've got Nolan North back, obviously, to voice Deadpool and um, it should be fun, I think. But, yeah, there's this kind of RPG kind of layering to it and, and but there's still the stuff from XCOM uh, that, you know, is very Firaxis uh, and it's the, easily their most accessible game in that there's not this kind of giant wall of difficulty to just get through. Like, Civilization, is as good as it is, and it's very, very good, it's very daunting for someone new to it. XCOM is a little bit easier to grasp, but at the same time, the tactics are very daunting. It's it's a tough game, whereas whereas this game, it, it feels like it's they've decided yeah. to make a game for the masses. And, Onboarding and, is important. Yeah, and I think it's... And the way it does difficulty is fantastic. So you have to unlock difficulties as you play. Um, so you start playing as the normal mode, and then they go, hey, you're doing really well. How about you try this one? You get a, a better XP bonus, and you get some more cash for you know buying shit, um, which is kind of cosmetic stuff that you don't need for the game. 
Um, and and uh, you can either just stay at the same level you're at, or you can upgrade. And um, so so far, I've uploaded, I've, I've I've opened four higher difficulty tiers. So there, there seems to be a lot there, and I'm playing through a new game plus and. Yeah, look, I can't, I can't say enough good about it. I really, really enjoy the way the card system works. I've loved playing with lesser-known Marvel characters like Magic uh, and Nico uh, Minaru, I think is how you pronounce her name. She's, she's kind of this cool blood witch, uh, uh, was, a, was a runaways character, and, and Magic is uh, um, Colossus's younger sister who uh, has the power of, like, portals, and she can travel through Limbo and... There's a cool side quest with Mephisto and and, it's, and Johnny Blaze is in it, the Ghost Rider, and Robbie Reyes, the other Ghost Rider, is in it. So there's kind of this kind of darker supernatural characters from Marvel along with Captain Marvel and, and Iron Man and, and Captain America. Um, but, you know, I know those guys, so it was really fun to kind of play these mm. these darker supernatural characters and, and get to know them a bit more. And uh, it, it, it was just really well written, a lot of fun. And uh, I, I can't wait for more of it, to be honest. I, it may it may overtake in the end uh, my love for XCOM. And, uh, oh and I, wow! I, I say that uh, you know, and I'm sure if anyone's listened to this podcast before, I bang on about XCOM a lot. Um, I, I honestly, at this point, <laughs> at this point in time, it 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 feels like a game that I'm going to end up liking even more. So I am very much waiting for the Switch release of that because I think that will be the perfect platform for me to play it on. Uh, yeah, will, it, will it run okay though? That's that's the question. Maybe this is like if I mean, we ever get the Steam Deck version is fantastic. Let me it works on <laughs> the Steam Deck really well. <laughs> yeah, Steam Decks for all when Valve get their stuff in gear if we're uh, willing to roll the dice yeah. on an import. Like if, as long as I can get it to hit, it works. Yeah. if they can get it to hit 720p, I don't even need all the bells and whistles. I just need no. it to run on there so I can lay in bed and have a if sook and go to back hit, to Mario Rabbids. Yeah, 720p in handheld mode though, because I've been playing a little bit of Hades on Switch, and I think that's also running 720p docked, and it is blurry as shit, man. <laughs> it looks yeah. great on the handheld screen. Oh, people play their Switches docked. What is wrong with you? Yeah, Tim got it. I, I, yeah. I had got this conversation with him not long ago. Got it. Well, I, I did actually get. I did actually get the OLED over, over the break, which has done a lot to make actually playing handheld yeah. mode more desirable. But no, I get my. Why would I not be playing Curse of the Clockwork God or whatever? There, I forgot what it's called. Clockwork game. Like, there's no reason not to play a doctor from home though. It's like it's just the pixel art big on the TV. That smeary Vaseline filter over everything. <laughs> well, no, because it's pixel art, so it's just pixely. <laughs> oh, that could work um, better. Yeah. Anyway, Steve, what is what is your standout game for 2022? Oh, this is a tough one. Um, He's gonna I say thought I, I thought I knew what the answer was, and then I'm not so sure. You get two answers, so you can in the next round you can say, "Well, actually, this one." <laughs> um, I guess no. it's Elden Ring. I, I don't know. It's tough because I... Somebody had to say it. Mm. Yeah. It is It is a distillation of everything FromSoft have been doing for a very long time. And it's also a huge step forward for them. But it is still not a game that is great for everybody. Um, Which, it, so, so long as it's great for you and the people who love it, who fucking cares? That's, yeah. yeah. So, um, it's, you know... 
It's great for me, but I also have not done everything in it, and I don't know if I will. Um, I don't think I'm as masochistic as I used to be um, when Demon Souls and Dark Souls were, you know, around a decade ago. Um, so I'm more than happy to, you know, quote unquote, finish those games, even though there's always so much content in them that, you know, I could. I'm going to tell you a secret, doing- Steve. Steve, I'm going to tell you a secret that's actually a very open secret. That is the best way to play games. Oh, <laughs> having having just uh, done 15 hours of extra bullshit in God of War Ragnarok, I'm inclined to agree with you, Tim. But that is yeah. absolutely the best. Being way able to, to play like go, I'm happy games. with what I've done. I've had my feel. Mm. I don't need to eat until I throw up. Is the best way yeah. to play games. So um, yeah, I would say that uh, yeah, Elden Ring for me was um a joy to play, but I think one bittersweet side of that is for a while I felt that that series is going in a direction that I don't particularly enjoy and it's leaning in a little bit too hard to the masochistic get good um online player base uh and i felt that way since probably dark souls 2 onward um bloodborne and sekiro were slight reprieves in ways um but i think elden ring manages to get past that by the open world i think if they had have gone with the more linear structures they'd done before it wouldn't be anywhere near as high for me it, it won. Congratulations, Ellering. Um, Rob. Oh, okay. This one. This it has to be 2022, although there is one curveball thing you could actually say that I'm very curious to see. If yeah. It, it, this is very me because it's, it's, it's Atari 50. It yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an important, it's an, like, to me, it's an, it's an important <laughs> statement for what. Rob smacked. It's an important statement for games preservation and curation. I want to see this for more of gaming's past because I will go, I can go nuts saying that the games industry doesn't treat it, treat its past with respect compared to literature, music, film, television. And we need more things like this to celebrate that. Um, I know we had the chat on Twitter, Tim, about, about, you know, the value of it from just the museum and, like I could see yeah, that. My, my thought is, I want this, and it'd be it'd be like if I was buying a copy of Citizen Kane, not because I wanted to watch Citizen Kane, but because like it came with like five special features yeah. discs that I was like super fascinated with. That's that's an important thing, and I I, I want to know that because like, I mean, I, I'm a dev, so I want to learn more about the creation process, and I think you know we the industry doesn't talk about that properly, and I think a lot of that is a defensive mechanism because when developers do talk about that stuff, there are elements of it of the player base that that do very negative things about that. Um, and I feel that as a medium, being able to talk about the highs and the lows, honestly, is important to celebrate where we've come from and where we're going. And I think it helps contextualize that. And like I said, I want to see this for other companies, other studios, other platforms. I think there's a lot, and I don't, the, the thing that stands me is I don't think a lot of them are going to have the, the confidence, the fortitude to just to authorize it, to be willing to talk about the lows and the highs. And I think we, like I said- Can you imagine Nintendo being like willing to be that loose lips? Yeah. Like, I would love to see Nintendo do it, but they won't. I'd love to see Sega do it. They won't. Namco- Sega's more likely than Nintendo, but yeah, still probably not. I think, like, I think Sega could do it, but on a very curated level. 
And it'd be more America focused than yeah. Japan, definitely. Yeah, and but a lot of the interesting stuff that I'd want to hear about oh, Sega. Like, Yuji Naka might just say fucking anything now that he's in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to pay the lawyers' bills, boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I think there, there's a lot of that. Um, you know, I was thinking about this earlier. It's like another example I'd love to see is EA, because when you look at EA's earliest days, they were doing a lot of innovative stuff, and a lot of people forget that and just talk about all the trash policies that they have these days microtransaction and live service junk but they were an important thing back in the day to popularizing the developers behind the games and i think that's we have a lot of that these days especially around the independent sphere sphere but we don't have it so much in in triple a um so yeah to me it's like a a statement that i want to see going forward um and I was- so yeah, Rob's answer was exactly what everybody was expecting. Yeah. But I also kind of have to respect it because it does look amazing. And at some point, I will probably actually pick uh, it up. I, to- I think it's... Uh, I agree with Rob. I mean, I never knew enough about games that I played as a kid, especially. And, you know, things like Alley Cat and stuff that I used to play a lot as a kid. And I'd really like to know the story about that. Oh. How, how they got... Actually, you know, about Alicat, the stupidest fucking game, and it's a terrible game. Like you look at it now, it's so dumb. But <laughs> Alicat really like is a very actually, it's a bit of a sad story. Um, <laughs> the the chap who 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 developed that, he was a guy by the name of Bill Williams. Um, I want to link something. I'll post in the chat if we can get it to the show notes. But it's a good thing about about his life and stuff. Um. And his disillusion with the game. Maybe games everybody should just buy Atari Fifty. Is basically yeah. Right. Um, he 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 wasn't uh, connected with that, but yeah, he was yeah. A, he was an important he was an interesting guy. Um, sadly passed away in the nineties from cystic fibrosis. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of like a lot of those tales. You know, there's a lot of the the fan hobbyist community that's doing the the preservation work to to document to talk to to creators when they're still alive to document their histories and stuff. And some of them are getting pretty old now, so in yeah. their own way, that's kind of important. Yeah, it's weird because gaming being such a newer medium, you think they would have learned the lesson from you know old film and television where they. Oh. Didn't preserve a lot of stuff or really care about it. Yeah, because- they famously lost the source code to Sonic the Hedgehog. Well, they felt so much of it was just ephemeral, like it was of no importance or value. They weren't thinking about any of it historically. Like, yeah. Ooh, what's this going to mean in a fifty or a hundred years? Yeah, they. It I mean, wasn't a concern. Yeah, the the one of the the examples I always think of is like the the loss of like the you know early Doctor Who episodes because they just yeah. taked over them because they didn't think that like. Repeat. Well, that was a Thatcher decision, wasn't it? That wasn't really anyone involved. No, that, that was this her is like not wanting to. That was her stiffing the BBC on some funding. Right. This there. is like back in the sixties, so the really early yeah, stuff. Before then, yeah. Way before yeah. Thatcher oh took Lord. office. So yeah. they've done it twice. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, like they. You know, see, tapes don't grow on trees. You know that stuff. Yeah, possible. that's that's <laughs> that's very much why it was done. They they needed yeah. the the tapes, and they didn't think foresight. And you know, you can't blame them for that. But like, well, yeah. Can you imagine? Imagine the sort of person who, at that point in time, is they're like, people are going to want to watch this in fifty years. They're like, oh, look at this wanker. Mate. Yes, that's like that's you get very to the phone booth. Calm your farm. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. That's like that's very much a thing. Like, it was. Just- Probably somebody making some dumb university experimental game now like, who's like going to go on to be a legendary developer, and that game yeah. could well be we, lost. Because yes, we definitely not- have a lot of devs these days who love the smell of their own farts and think <laughs> making is high art for the ages. But 
And I 90% of them are called David Cage, but... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but like, I, I think that, you know, like seeing just... As for me, it's like seeing where, where things evolve. I think that's important to know the stories. Like, you know, some 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 kick-ass indie, you know, it's probably, you know, in, in university or going to be in university. They're going to release some little shitty things that don't matter. But in the context of their whole career, 30 or 40 years down the yeah. line... It's going to be wild to be able to look back and see, like, oh, this is where this seeded. Yeah, that's exactly... What, what was Kojima's uni project? You know, I mean, he like went. What was the first thing he worked on was a was an Antarctic adventure or penguin adventure, which is a little behind the person behind person view. I imagine a lot of this would be like pen and paper shit if you like talking about developers that era. Yeah, most of them. Um, but yeah. the first game he had a credit on was yeah, Penguin Adventure. I think it's the second one. Um, Konami game for the MSX computer. And it's like your little penguin you're running on tracks. He like did work on that. I can't remember what his exact role was. All right, I think we need to have a Rob hosted episode about like just game history. <laughs> we have we have slowed oh, sure. down substantially. Yep. Um. All right. Which is kind of like great for me because I had a very interesting 2022 where I was able to secure like the reviews of a couple of games that I was like pretty keen on. Um. And those games were Ghostwire Tokyo and Far whatever the even subtitle was of that. And they both turned out to be, like, thoroughly mediocre. <laughs> Strong 6.5s. Pretty much. <laughs> like, Ghostwire Tokyo is, like, the most interesting, but also definitively 7 out of 10 game ever made. And, like, yeah, Far was, like, amazing for the first hour until it became apparent that, yeah, no, it's not. That was all Oof. the tricks. It was like, oh... Like, they told me it was going to be, like, a 30-hour game or something. I was like, okay, I'm finally getting the rhythm. This is starting to build up interesting. And then it ended, and it's like, oh, I still haven't even figured out how to control the freaking ship properly Oof. yet. And then the other reviews dropped, and it turned out it was not just me, so... <laughs> uh. Yeah, um, I'm in this super weird situation where, like, I think it's probably actually Horizon Forbidden, to Forbidden West. And it's probably, like, just kind of by default. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like, like that's the only way that, that wins a game of the year. It's um, I, another one of those. It's pretty good. Um, they, they do a better job of the intrigue up front. They don't this, pay off as well as original did. It's a good thing I'm not Paul James because I would probably want to slit Stephen's throat with what's about to come out of here. <laughs> this will be a good litmus test to see if Jess and Paul actually listen to this podcast because I will go out there and say I, Horizon Forbidden West is aggressively mediocre. <laughs> it, it still does the one thing I, I really, really like much as that, but... it does the one it's, thing no, I really that's like worse. I, I would think I would like it more if I hated it I don't hate it it's not a bad game it's a mediocre game it does one thing that I personally like a lot very well that the first one did as well which is you could play this like a linear action game and it actually still like plays like totally fine like you don't have to get completely lost in open world bullshit and I like that about that a lot as you said uh, before, Tim, I think that's probably the only way to play Horizon Forbidden West because playing that as an open world game is an exercise in frustration. I mean, I wouldn't and know. There's I nothing think, interesting I... about that open world. It sucks. It looks amazing. It is awful though. to explore. Vegas, Vegas was pretty good. I really the, liked the, Actually, the, Vegas, the whole Vegas section was incredible. Like, yeah, it had was, moments. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it, like that whole section was actually really, really, good, really, really good. And once you like, I still enjoy like, like actually hunting the dinosaurs. Once you have like enough um stuff, I find it hilarious that there are kangaroos in it this time now, and they're like actually super dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> like, you mean like real kangaroos? 
<laughs> go skip. Yeah. Go I skip. Mean, to be fair, actually, kangaroos are actually pretty fucking dangerous. It's just <laughs> look, Paul they would James be if they weren't all morons. Jess but yeah, a one thing. But if there's a kangaroo out there, and Horizon Forbidden West is your favorite game, I take it all back. <laughs> oh boy so i'm just gonna like throw something out there like on a public forum which is i don't think steve or paul should be allowed to like review like first party sony games anymore <laughs> so anyways, it'll be a seven paul, to ten paul scale meaning it's either a seven or a ten <laughs> paul handles the sony media so the pr so it's a bit hard to take them from <laughs> But on, on that note, so would I be from my cr- cold dead hands? I believe was. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! No, <laughs> um, so would I be correct based on what you said before, and that God of War is now your runner-up? No, actually. Wow! No, it I, like I fell from grace. All right. It did a bit towards the end. Like I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time at God of War, but I've kind of hit the end of the story, and I'm not going to wa- carry on with the waffle bits at the end. I'm happy where it landed. Um, it was probably ten hours too long. <laughs> that's you know it could have been more than the couple of it, hours too long that i criticized some games that i otherwise really like yeah okay. it, it the first game was about 20 hours and the second one was probably closer to 35 Ugh. and yeah it felt yeah it, it just felt a bit too long i i enjoyed it though like I, I enjoyed my time with it don't get me wrong it is a very good game but it just it didn't overtake uh my weird west fascination which there i thoroughly enjoyed from the start of the year um kind of this cool action rpg set in the old west with trappings of the occult and developed by a bunch of ex-arcane devs and you can absolutely feel that arcane kind of stamp all over this game um it it, it's uh it does a very cool thing with narrative in that it's set over five chapters where you take control of five different characters and as you finish the the chapter with a character, you go into the next one with a new character, but you can actually go back and hire your previous chapter's character as a companion for your story in the next part. You know, so all the upgrades and everything you gave to that character isn't wasted. They can come along with you if you so choose in the next part of the story. So it has these five um, these five different characters that you, you take control of. All are slightly different. One, one's a traditional kind of Wild West bounty hunter. One, one's a pig man who's been cursed. Uh, one's a werewolf. One's a kind of mage. Um, so, you know, you've got the pig man, I think. Well, so it, you have to use all of them because each has their own story that kind of combines into this overarching story. And the pig man's story is actually very cool. You find out who he was before he was cursed. Um, he wasn't a very nice person, it turns out, and... and the pig man was, you know, his life as a pig man was a punishment for being not a very nice person. Um, and there's a bit of a redemption arc there that you you can choose to play out if you like and, and you don't have to. But uh, the, this game, I think, does consequence of story, like consequence of choice, uh, better than just about anything I've ever played. Um, huh. Like it, the the consequences of your choices play out in fantastically interesting ways uh, over the entire story. And um, it's something you've decided in one chapter will affect the later chapters. So uh, as different characters, even if even if you're not using that earlier character in your, your party, you can have a party of three. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just really well done. Everything in the world is interactive. 
which creates these wonderful combat situations where, you know, you tip over a, uh, a box of a barrel of water accidentally and it, it, it hits some sort of electrical device which shorts out a whole bunch of people which sets off an explosion which of some tnt lying in the corner or bullets that are you know ammo that you can pick up if you accidentally set the ammo that's lying around the place on fire it'll fire off and start you know doing damage to things so there's this really cool environmental interactive kind of consequences that happen as well if you're a bit careless or intentionally you know you can you can absolutely use it to your advantage yeah, cause chaos, uh, especially as the pigman who's kind of this melee character. So it it does pay to you know kind of burn some people with <laughs> some oil or something before you run into the fray. Uh, yeah, and and it, it it plays like an action RPG, almost like a twin stick shooter um, in how you uh, you know you approach combat. Um, it's not not like a click a click fest like Diablo. It, yeah, it's definitely more along that that. A slower paced twin sick is probably the best way to to describe it. Um, but yeah, fan, fascinating story. There's a, a little bit of jank here and there. Um, it's it's a budget. Well, it's an indie developed title, and they definitely it feels like an indie developed title that has a lot of AAA experience behind it. Um, and it was published by Devolver, and it's absolutely 100% a Devolver style game. So uh, yeah, it. It 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 uh it it's kind of got warts and all. There's a bit of gore in there. There's, there's lots of dark kind of you know occultish sort of things. Uh, and uh, you know the old west is a, a setting that I think is to this day underutilized in video games. And and this is this is used it really well. So I, I I thoroughly recommend getting it. It and it's had super support since it came out. Like there's been a whole bunch of patches that have added heaps of new features and I, I really need to get back and play through it again and, and you know play with some different choices and see how they all play out in the second playthrough through. I think it took me probably 18 hours uh, you know 20 hours That's for the whole five stories. It's, it's, it's a reasonable sort of and I think you could probably get really lost in the world exploring every corner but I don't feel you, you have to so it's certainly one that could be replayed later on and and to see different different choices play out all right coolio steve do you have a runner-up that's clearly not anything to do with horizon um xenoblade chronicles 3 i think is probably my runner-up um it was a game that i was not expecting to be as good as it is uh in a couple of ways uh the story is fantastic i think they've refined the gameplay to a point that i'm extremely happy with having had some issues with it somewhat in the first game, a little bit in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, but definitely in Xenoblade Chronicles X. Um, I think it's the pinnacle of the series in some ways, and it's amazing that it runs on the Switch and looks as good as it does. Like, it's phenomenal in terms of what they're doing visually in that game. Um, And it takes a lot for me to not, basically shit all over jrpgs these days because i often feel like i'm basically done with the genre in a lot of ways so um, this coming from the guy who would not stop ranting at me about every game on the face of the earth being too long needlessly is exactly no (laughs) this game like a hundred hours long or something but again xenoblade chronicles and xenoblade chronicles 2 especially um and 3 allow you to customize your difficulty 
Like yeah. they let you customize your difficulty. So if you don't want to dick around for 50 hours of your 80 hour playtime in random battles, you don't have to. Um, again, all of those things, the, like the genre, so much of what people love about it is literally just limitations of old consoles and padding. Um, and I'm well over that stuff, but I still like a lot of elements of the genre. So if I can work my way around those bits, um, then I'm all for it. It's why I love the Trails series, and it's why I am really enjoying Xenoblade Chronicles 3, um, and why a lot of other JRPGs can go jump in the bin where they belong these days. Wow, Rob, do you have some nice things to say about anything after that? <laughs> it's like oh, a yeah. double-edged sort of. Um, so my What's r- the runner-up? Actually modern this time? Yeah, it is modern. It is a 2022 release, an actual 2022 release. Um, it's, cult <laughs> of the, it's Cult of the Lamb for me. Like... I don't yeah. know. If, I don't know if it's just because it came at the right time for me. Um, and like I, when I talk, I'm, I remember talking about it on an, another Pixelcast when it came out. But um, it hit at the right time for me. Um, just like at a mental thing, I have to acknowledge that I have friends on the dev team of that game. Um, so just to inc- disclose potential bias, but it just takes the two. Yeah, like that's the dungeon sweet, sweet bias money on the pick layer two pixel cast right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's gonna go down the street and buy himself a paddle pop now. <laughs> hey, um, a bubble o bill. Ooh. Yeah, but like I the You told me we don't have bubble o bill that. money. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even afford the bubblegum noses. <laughs> yeah, but like the way Cold of the Lamb takes its dungeon exploration ro- procedural roguelike business with the cult management aspects you know these are things that you would find in two completely disparate games and it marries them together really well and in a way that is very compulsive like i love the fact that the dungeon runs are like 10 minutes like you can go and do the extended runs if you need stuff but a basic dungeon run is like 10 minutes like it just fit into my life very well you know it's got that very unique art style an amazing soundtrack as well. There's a lot of things where it just takes these concepts. It's not, you know, high on the originality on originality scale, but the execution, like the the massive monster team just nailed it. And like, it's just really cool to see how gangbusters it's been doing. It's it the feel, the, the control handling, the mechanics, it's just incredibly tight. It's incredibly easy to pick up and it doesn't, it doesn't want to tax. It, it challenges you, but it doesn't want to overly tax you. Um, with everything and it's just been fun like even watching people stream it with the um the the twitch integration where viewers could be as, as cult members and, and some of the stuff that happens there um like there was some stuff there just some of the the oh you know go make poop food for for some random cultist and, and things like that that it could do like it's got a it's got a, a twisted sense of humor underneath and, and a lot of interesting you know some cool stuff to say about the the nature of cults and and stuff i mean you're a Playing as like some murderous lamb who's running a cult, you would expect a bit of twisted humor. I yeah, think, exactly. And you know, it delivers on that. And I, I think just the way it all comes together as a package, it's just you know, it it just it it just sits in a little box with a nice little bow on it, and it just demonstrates how how top tier Australian indie development can be. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm actually super happy that deck. somebody mentioned it. And it, I've only just started. I'm like five hours in and on the Steam Deck. Yeah. It's like that perfect game for yeah. portability. I feel like that one you could get away with on the Switch, though. I've heard I've heard iffy, iffy things. I, I've been playing it on PS5, and it's pretty solid there. But I, had, I, I, haven't, I haven't had a chance to go back to it for a while, so I've released patches. I had a soft lock at one point, and I just had to quit and restart the game. Um, I've heard it's mm. a bit iffy on Switch. 
Um, but was hopefully it still iffy on Switch, or was that like a launch window? That was a launch window. I don't know um, if it's yeah, been patched up. Like yeah, um, but yeah, it's it just it does so many things right that it's just like an utterly top game for me. So one I definitely want to go back to, and I got most of the way through, and I just got sidetracked with other other things. I want to go back to and try and wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, now's the time for it. Yeah. Anyway, as for me, runner up, it's like. Oh man, I'm like looking back at like all this stuff that if I'd played probably would have been in like the top slot for me. So like I I think based on what I was talking about earlier is like I think if I'd played the new Monkey Island that would have almost like kind of been default or like freaking like Norco. I don't know if anyone was paying attention to that, but that game was fucking amazing. Um, I didn't play Sparks of Hope. That probably would have actually gotten somewhere up there. Like Neon White, I thought I was going to be able to play God of War or um. Was it immorality over the braid? Did not do that either. Um, did play Vampire Survivors, and I just think that game is an evil, evil time sink. <laughs> <laughs> like it's basically it's 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 like how do I say it's basically like slot machine kind of just it's junk food. Nothing that's yeah, addictive. It's like empty calories, food. just completely empty calories. Yeah. Um, do not find it satisfying at all. Makes sense if it's on your phone, you got to wait for the bus or something, but no way would I ever say that is one of my favorite games. Bit. So I'm like, I'm stuck with Stray because that came out this year and I liked the world quite a lot and I don't think it quite set me on fire as much as I hoped. But again, like I can mention all these games that I think I would have super liked, but it didn't actually play, so it doesn't fucking matter. Citizen <laughs> um, Sleeper, Curse of the Golden Idol. Elden Ring, I didn't play Elden Ring. I was watching a bunch of ads for it over the holiday and I'm going, man, I think I could get into that. But um, whatever. Right. Stray is still actually like pretty good. Um, definitely more polished than I think I was expecting. They did they did a very good job like on the world. They obviously did a very good job on the cat animations. Very unrealistic with regards to how helpful that cat is. <laughs> <laughs> but they they did actually a pretty little decent little job with like kind of uncovering like the the you know this kind of post apocalypse story about why now all these robots are just kind of in civilization um, a bit more than I thought a couple of wobbly mechanics in the process of doing so especially when you're being chased around by effectively the half-life um, headless chickens that I've forgotten the name of at the moment the head crabs head crabs it's basically got head crabs in it <laughs> um, I don't know but straight very good congratulations you made number two because I didn't play anything else <laughs> like, like Horizon winner feels like it should have been around the middle of the winner. desk. The, yeah, it's weird because Horizon feels like this should be like a middle of my list kind of game. And Stray feels like yeah. it should be like around mm. about seven or eight. But whatever. I mean, it clearly was better than Ghostwire Tokyo, which just like fell on its face. So like the choices I made with what I played this year just kind of like led me there. Um, but now we get to the bit like where is my redeeming arc? We're going to go back to Huso again. You're like your anything goes third pick. Let's try and do this quickly though because we're running quite long. Yeah, all right. Okay, quick one. Uh, it kind of never uh, – I never got through it in the year it came out, which is only last year, but and it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. But it's lost judgment, uh, you know, because – Worth it because there's a master system in your office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, that shit is my crack cocaine at the moment. Like, it is so good. Um, we hear them coming I- out this year if the schedule is. <laughs> We've got two of them this year, and then one next. It's, it's oh wait, no it's one's okay. Yeah, two and then one, so uh, not three. Two and then one, yeah. Um, but yeah, lost judgment, a lot of fun. I, I I like 
I, d- I don't know that if I like the Judgment games as much as the... I, d- I don't think the lead characters are quite as likable as the Yakuza as lead characters. Um, as Kiryu or even Ichiban in um, number seven. But uh, mm. I, th- I think like he's super likable. But it, it, it is nice to play it with a slightly different twist with that uh, um, the detective angle on things. And also the uh, VR game within the game... That is super addictive, like the the kind of VR roll dice roll game. Uh, Stephen knows what I'm talking about, um, but that's oh, super yeah. addictive. Yeah, uh, and and the world is fun, and it was it was really cool to explore uh, Yokohama, uh, the 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 map from like a Dragon uh, Yakuza Seven uh, in this kind of action role instead of the turn based role. So that was fun, and and you know, like these games just hide trash drama that it's just junk food but it, it's so much fun I've, a lot and of the time the core stories are actually pretty well done they're, really they're just quite very good. very good at being goofy at the same time yeah and and they've got they've got this yeah, high over the top <laughs> acting quality to it that's just super <laughs> they, fun to they're just in complete control of what they are these games are not yeah. accidentally excellent as well <laughs> no 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 it's so much fun and look I think it's still sitting on the fence just do it yeah, I think it's yeah. that they can totally pivot on a dime depending on what mission you get after whatever mission. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they can throw you for a loop. The bloke's been brutally murdered in a warehouse, and you know, cut up on live camera, and then you've got to go and help some dude who thinks a um, drone is a UFO, and he's going nuts. You know? <laughs> but hey, <laughs> this is the world that we live the in. TV in, personality in, in, in you see Mister Hair that it turns out it's a wig, and you've got to chase a wig like all over the yeah. city. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a real. That's a real side, side quest. Real the first yep. judgment. <laughs> yep. Anyway, Steve, what's your what's your that, anything that, goes? That would be a that would be a fun. Um, little trivia game uh yuck is a side quest or you know total bullshit yeah <laughs> anyway, I, think you'd, you- I think you'd stump people really easy with that one um <laughs> it, i was banned from putting this one in the actual player two game of the year so it sits here uh disco elysium the final cut on switch was fucking phenomenal yep, that's that's um, that is and- fair play for this yep and uh it it, it was very lucky because it it You've played a lot of really very... long games this year for somebody who doesn't like super long games. Yeah, well, it they have to... Here's the thing. They have to warrant their length, and 95% of games don't. They they need it as a little stamp to put on the back of the box, and because we all know games are a bunch of little wussy crybabies who um, need every game to be 100 hours long to justify their whatever weird fucking metric they use to assign value to a game. Well, if it's $60, it should be 60 hours. Fuck off. Um, so, yeah, basically... I um, just um, So he just reminded <laughs> me of an interview with Tim Schafer where I, like, asked him about, like, the 40 hours of gameplay on the box, and he's like, yeah, it's just our best guess. <laughs> yeah, that's all bullshit. I just straight like, up was like, we off. figured it was about that much, so we put it on the box. Oh, it's 60 hours. Is all 60 hours of it good? Uh, next question. Anyway, so it um, one of the things that was a niggle when I was reviewing it was it had really bad performance. And then it was like three days out before I had to get the review done. I was just like, I was going to get the game wrapped up in time, but I was like, this performance is real sketchy. And it's the most amazing patch I've seen on a game in... A, as long as I can remember loading times literally went from two minutes down to 20 seconds 
um, it was ridiculous. Like it transformed the game and made it like amazing. It was already great because of like everything it's doing, but the technical aspects were letting it down. But then that patch basically solidified the score for me. I'm like, this is brilliant. And the fact they've gotten this level of improved performance on the switch um, before I have to go to print is fantastic. Um, if you haven't played Disco Elysium in the Final Cut, once again, probably not a game for everyone, but very interesting. Yeah, it's probably a fair comment. Rob, okay. you can now say something from like 1978 if you want. No, this is from, <laughs> two, well, it's a 2018 port of a 2005 game, and it's, um, I think it's 2005 or around then. Um, East Origin, which I sort of got into that series very recently, and Origin just mm-hmm. just does this like action RPG. Like the series, East is really good as a series for action RPG, and this just again, it was just at the right time. It just was just the hack and slash gameplay, the the Falcom theme for the soundtrack, which was which was killer. Just it oh. just so Moorish, and the execution, it's just like and that. Yeah, it was just like it's, you know, hack and slash stuff. You know, learn the puzzling of the bosses. Pretty decent run. I was like, I think it was about 10 hours my run. That was with one character. I've got to do the other two characters and I'll find some time to do those. It just, it just was Moorish at the right time. It was just like that nice, fulfilling experience that left me like, I got my fill. I'll go back and play the other characters later. And I want to see the, 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 the other, how their parts of the story change. It just really good entry in the series. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to the fact that the third one is getting a Switch port because I'll sit down and play yeah, that. The, the remake seem pretty well. Yeah, pretty well. Um, I have Switch, I right? have most of them. I've got all the ones they did for PSP. Um, I've got a bunch of them on PS4 and PS5. I think East Eight is still my favorite of the series. That's the one on the island. Yep. Um, but yeah. Great, and Origins is a great entry in that series as well. Yeah, like I sort of started originally playing it, then I put it down and played the first one and then went back and it's just like, oh, it's just, it's just, again, it's one of those cases where it's like, it's fast, it's flowing, the the way the gameplay systems work, it, it's really, it's a really good challenge. It's like, yeah, they, they nailed an excellent game there. It was just like one that I could just sit there and grind on, you know, having my Switch out at lunch um, and when I was when I was in the office for work and playing it after work at home. Yeah, maybe I'll give it a try. I think it was he's nine. That was playing when nine is Monstrum Nox, which is in a prison setting. Yeah, and and it had some pretty problematic story stuff. For example, like there's a Robin Hood character stealing from like a millionaire like town owner, and then starting to worry because all the people she's like helping out are like expecting free handouts as opposed to making a life for themselves, and they're going, "This doesn't seem like a great." Yeah. This doesn't. This is a little bit. I don't know if I like this game anymore. Yeah, this doesn't um, have. I don't like this game's politics. Um, yeah, this doesn't have stuff yeah, like I, that. I think because um, it's basically you're ascending no. the tower. If you've ever played the first game, it's the tower from the end of that, and it's like set. It's uh, you know, as Origin, it's set like several hundred years before. So it's very much. It's a very very focused story, and I think if you play the first game, it pays off. It has some connections that pay off fairly nicely, but. It's pretty standalone, so it's just a it's just a hack and slash grind fest, um, but not yeah, in the um, not in the drag. I'm looking at the requirements here, it requires a Pentium three, so I think the Switch should handle. Yeah, it just the fine. Switch version was was solid, um, good port, so It'll manage. Yeah, like it was even on the Vita. Um, yeah, I don't speak bad of the Vita. I love the Vita. Much fun of like Huso's like making fun of the power of the Switch at this point. Here's here's the thing I miss is like so it's winter in Japan right now. 
wearing a coat around outside. Vita, I could literally just throw in my jacket pocket or coat pocket and would just fit perfectly and have it any time. Even the Switch is too big for that. Yeah. The Steam Deck is too much for me to like take with my bag to work. And like, we need to get portable back to. Yeah. I I love PSP Go, baby. That's why I've still got mine. <laughs> yeah, I love I I I don't have a bad thing to say about Vita, except for Sony's treatment of it. There we go. Um, no, the Vita was fucking great. Anyway, let's wrap this up really quickly. Um, yeah. So for me, easily my favorite game I ended up playing last year. Um, my second favorite year, second favorite game from the year was also from 2021. I think this is how I roll. Is like I kind of catch up and everything I would have really liked the previous two years. But um, Head and Shoulders, like the Awful Escape, was I think the favorite thing that I played um, last year. I wrote pretty extensively about it um, on the website. Um, and I mean, it's pretty straightforward. It's literally just, just run along playing Glam. It's, it's almost like autopilot. Like, you're just like kind of running through this like wild, surreal world. You definitely would not want to play this on Switch. You want all the HDR effect like blazing on your TV at all the time. Um, just doing like psychedelic rock freaking concerts like as a quasi platformer with like this kind of like character growth about like just being true to yourself um the thing like that makes this kind of genius for me when I look back on it or just the way that my own year played out was so you're basically the son of this legendary folk musician who's kind of like the lifeblood of the town you're growing up in and i'm very glad that in the review i actually wrote they could flip this because you basically like you kind of want to be like a ziggy stardust kind of person as opposed to like this serious folk singer and I'm very glad in the review that I wrote, it could work the other way. You could have been like the son of a guitar go- of a rock god and like wanted to be all acoustic. Um, because it turns out that this is my favorite game of 2021, 2021 slash actually 2022. It turned out my favorite album that I listened to in 2021 turned out to be a serious, meaningful, you could argue, folk music CD. <laughs> um, called A Filament in the Wilderness of What Comes Next by Chris Robley. Highly recommend you listen to it. That guy is so good with words, it is just not fair. Um, but yeah, like I, I cannot say, like, I'll, I guess I'll probably link it in the show notes. Um, I did write extensively about why the Artful Escape is so good. I still don't think it's a great name for the game. Um, I played it by accident as just a thing that I could download on the, you know, whatever middle tier of PlayStation Plus. I think it's still there. If you have that, just fucking play it. It's, well, it's like game five hours long. It's, I don't know if it's still there, but yeah. <clears throat> no, it left Game Pass. Um, okay. I, it didn't leave Game Pass like the Saint like a day after we published the piece. Like it was like might have been, yeah. <laughs> weird like timing with it. Um, but like if you have if you have decent speakers, use decent speakers or at least headphones. Like it is. I know it's beautiful. Like it's impossible to make stuff sound bad. You just light your entire town. Like honestly, sounds like Rush the video game. It's, like, it looks like Rush the video game. Like, should, just, just fucking play it, Hugh. So it's five hours. Yeah. You, pro- you, you probably have it somewhere. <laughs> Possibly do. Yeah, and... Yeah, so that, that, that is actually my favorite game of the year. And I expect it would not surprise me if my favorite game of this year was something I played in 2024. Nothing wrong with that. It's just going to be how it's going to roll. I'm going to, like, be psyched i'm gonna get my hands on like final fantasy 16 and then i'm not gonna like it that's basically how this is gonna go <laughs> um but anyway yeah we we've run super long so um so i know there's something you want to like pimp out before we leave so yeah uh so this is the first time i've said it aloud to the public but we'll probably be alive on the website before this podcast goes live but we have not one but two consoles to give away 
at the Player 2 Charity Marathon, which is coming up on the 28th of January. We have an Xbox Series X that comes with a whole bunch of games, uh, including uh, Forza Horizon 5, uh, a bunch of Ubisoft stuff. We've got, like, so many games. My wife's blowing up at me about the boxes full of shit I've got in my lounge room right now to give away. Um, and our second prize is, you know, potentially even better, uh, depending on who you are. So we, we're going to, how we're going to do it is the first prize winner is going to get to pick. You just get to choose? Yeah, I, that yeah. seems the... So that seems the fairest way, right? And then second will get the other one. But the, the other one is a PS4 Pro, but it's not just any old PS4 Pro. It's the 500 million limited edition PS4 Pro. Is that which that blue I one? The blue see-through one, yeah. So that one uh, is going for ridiculous amounts on eBay. I have to say, I looked it up just out of curiosity. Please do not sell going. it if you win it. No, don't. Enjoy this thing. This is a collector's edition. Put and it in a glass case it, or something. You don't have to play it, it but like keep it. <laughs> it's going to have a bunch of games with it as well because we've, like I said, got lots of games. We've also got boxes full of merch and like the, the as is always the case, and it, it still surprises me to this day, but just the Australian games PR community just come to this thing in just droves with amazing prizes for all of us. Um, we want to beat five and a half grand. Uh, this year, which would be is our previous best, um, so that's always awesome. And uh, right now, if you go over to the Player Two website, we've got some interviews with key people from the Terry Campisi Foundation. Uh, there'll be three up by the time this podcast goes up with Terry himself, with Terry Campisi, with Jeremy Howell, who's a board member of the foundation, and with Gregory Mitchell, who is also my brother-in-law who's partaking in the special forces challenge for the Terry Kambizi foundation. And that's who we're kind of helping out here. Um, and a little bit about that the special forces challenge last year raised $240,000 for the foundation. And this year they're looking like doing that quite easily. And it, all this money goes to changing uh, to breaking the cycle programs for kids that are, you know, uh, come from broken families, come from, from crime, uh, come from, you know, drug families, you know, these people, that, these kids that don't have a good outlook on life and we're giving them that outlook through these programs. So uh, that's what the money goes to. Every single cent of it, no one in the foundation is paid. Uh, this is a true 100%, uh, you know, your money goes to help Actual these Actual charity. Yeah, um, and that's that, I don't want to take away from any other charity, but yeah, there is literally no money going to anyone on the board here. There's no one getting paid at all. Uh, we we don't have any. Everything we do is voluntary. On the I say we because I'm on the board. I have to disclose that. But yeah, um, it's 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 close to my heart. It, it does. I, I see the results of this charity, and and I can't talk about it enough. So. Uh, $5 donation gets you in the draw. Every $5 you donate goes in the draw. We'll have hourly prizes during the stream. Um, like I said, over 100 games, a box full of merch, all to give away, uh, including those two big console prizes. So, yeah, don't miss it. 28. Win a blue PS4 Pro. All right, and I guess the standard stuff is you are at Huso81 on the Twitters, if anybody still uses that. Yes. <laughs> If it's uh, yeah, who knows if it's even working at the moment. It's a shit show. But yeah, I mean, uh, just head over to Play uh, 2. My <laughs> feed yesterday Facebook was just like two days enough. ago. <laughs> just like Luke. I could, nothing new was coming up in my feed. Um, anyway, yeah, Steve, where can we find you? Um, I'm at Gorath44000 on Twitter. Um, 
but who knows for how much longer. Uh, and yeah, um, I've got a few little things I'm tinkering away at for the site. Um, I'm hoping to get some exclusive scoops for us, um, given that I will be going to the Pokemon Cafe, the Dragon Quest Bar, the Studio Ghibli theme park in Nagoya, and Super Mario World in the next month. So I'm hoping to do some write-ups of those Great, uh, I can just places. go to those at any time. And I just, uh... <laughs> Still your thunder. Well, you could, Tim, but you haven't, so <laughs> no, I haven't. this is what it's come to. <laughs> I have to fly to Japan and do it myself. <laughs> I went to a Square, Square Enix cafe once and it was there. Um, um, yeah. yeah, I don't I don't rate the Square Enix cafe. Square um, Enix. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the Dragon Quest bar, ooh, very good. All right, um, Rob, can we find you in the 70s, 80s? <laughs> You'll find me in, in, in Space Year 2022 um, as customary Twitter. Three. 23, oops. <laughs> yeah. Warm, warm. Still uh, living in the past, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, obviously, if if the bird site still functions, um, twitter.com slash Rob underscore Caporetto. Um, that should be in the notes because, yeah, I'm boring. Um, and, of course, there's my personal video stuff over youtube.com slash at beyond the scan lines. Um, I much prefer this new system they have for the channel names. It's so much easier to just spread it. Um, presuming... You know that that could be gotten, um, and and everything else, and yeah, I'll organise to start looking, start getting some plays when summer settles down a bit, and I can sit in front of the PC for long enough, <laughs> um, get some more plays and stuff out there. Um, yeah, twenty twenty three, interesting year. I hope it's, it's yeah, we're all, we're all of two and a bit weeks in. Yeah, and I'm yeah still at pretend beard on the bird site, which I presume. Okay, I'm intrigued. It's still going to exist. It's just going to just gradually go from a mansion to like a tin shed over time. <laughs> With a rickety like, door. Yeah. Like the rain. It's, just said, like it's, it's, it's my space's time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That'd be good because uh, Mastodon. Uh, uh. Yeah, I, 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 could, I could put um, you know, corn. That's my song. <laughs>